This episode of the Make Trades Great Again podcast was brought to you by Vega Pro Press. Whether you're new to pressing or it's been your preferred method for years, you can trust the original Vega Pro Press. They have just about every application you can think of in stock and ready to ship. When you hit up your local distributor, ask for it by name Vega Pro Press. You think they want to hear us talk about, like, how I suck at using Microsoft? <laughs> well, well you no, know, I, I don't know if we need to explore that opportunity <laughs> or exploit it. Well, <laughs> yeah, exploit it would probably be more appropriate. No, so, I mean, yeah, I, I made the switch to Mac a few years ago because of Mechanical Hub, and it does, it did present its own issues for a little while there. Um, because so many things are PC based. And so like you're, you know, we were using QuickBooks on a PC um, for the business and then I got a Mac and now I, you know, am I going to keep the old PC just around QuickBooks? So no, you had to buy software packages. And isn't that funny? Remember how you used to buy the software in like a CD and you had to upload it on your computer and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so we were. I was digging through something here, you know, and I'm sure you have a room like this. We had a, it's like our mechanical room that just got some shelving in it, and it's got it's storage. You know, it's just it's garbage. Okay, let's just call it what it is. Yeah, we call it a storage room. Most people call it a storage room. Yeah. People call it a storage room. It should be labeled a dumpster um, because <laughs> totally. that's it's pretty much what's in there. Um, I mean, there, there's some, you know, whatever memories, knickknacks, <laughs> things like that, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, your Christmas tree or something, if that's, you know, that's where, yeah, that's what should be in there. Yeah. Yeah. We're going through there and Charles like, oh, what's in this tote? I'm like, I have no clue. <laughs> I and know I where you're going with this. It, it, it's like full of like just random stuff that was in an office when we moved, like not the last time, but the time or two before, (laughs) before the kids were born. Yeah, exactly. And there's a college age daughter was out of diapers. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And there's a box in there of that's It's labeled. It's like a shoe box and it's labeled computer stuff. Yeah. And it's got like all the reboot discs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For your old Dell. (laughs) <laughs> right there, there were um, I, probably thirty three and a half inch floppy disks in there, and I'm like, oh. wait, wait, these what are I, like you know, and then and then in the bottom, there's the creme de la creme, the five and a quarter inch, you know, or not, not, not oh, three, they're, the they're, real the five floppy, and a, like the, the big like real the floppy, OG. yeah, 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 the yeah. OG and I'm like, floppy. I don't, I don't even know what to do with this. And it was one that I some that I I don't know if I did or somebody had copied some information and put it on it for me because it had like the, you know the personal label on it and it wasn't like it yeah so it wasn't like I you you never I plugged saved that something. into a computer I don't know what I would I don't know how I could plug it into anything I don't have anything that has that drive on it no no I don't think is yeah. do those drives even exist like could you buy one I wonder well. That led me down to this uh, this Google search of <laughs> do they make a USB C adaptable <laughs> uh, five and a quarter inch floppy drive and I I couldn't find one. But You're apparently, probably run it through like some kind of like power converter and stuff. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need a yeah you need a two hundred forty volt power supply for that. Um, <laughs> well, I got just a thing on my old Viesman yeah. boilers I service. I'll save you one the next time I tear That's one right. out. <laughs> oh man. So it it was just comical because then I, you know then I started looking at it and I'm like well what do I do with this thing you know should should I like wipe the data off of it and then I'm like well wait a minute I didn't have <laughs> anything else 20 can years read it <laughs> no exactly <laughs> <laughs> no so yes that's hilarious no so I have the same so in my office I have those like you know those stupid uh, IKEA cube shelf things they're like a bunch of cubes yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. I don't know. You got yeah, like a canvas bag in them? Like yeah. A canvas. You can, well, you can put whatever one, whatever farfing flugen named box thing, basket, whatever you want to put in them. You know, they're all named some silly, ridiculous name, which is stupid because I'm making fun of Sweden people now. Sweden people. That's what they are. They're Sweden people. <laughs> 
Oh man, this oh. is starting out great. So uh yeah. so I have the IKEA shelf things in there and and they're useful because they organize some junk that I actually do use. Uh some of it I don't or a lot of it I don't probably. And uh in one of those uh cardboard fold up make your own box things that from from IKEA that fit in this cube thing is I'm holding on to it. I'm not getting rid of it. Is the box in the bottom of it are the, you know, there's probably like one or two VGA cables in there for like an old <laughs> monitor off of a PC. Yeah. And then, uh, and like I started this conversation up by saying I switched to Mac years ago. So like I couldn't use these things if I wanted to. Right. And, uh, no, no Mac ever since yeah, 2E yeah, has I mean, had a VGA never cable. Had a, yeah, analog cable, you know. So, and then, uh, so then there's the the probably the recovery disc for like a a 19 you know 97 or 2001 you know Dell PC that was junk from the start anyway <laughs> but there, i've got the recovery disc for probably windows <laughs> xp or something like that. there's no way i could, you know it's just funny you find that kind of stuff but anyway so we made the switch a little while back and it did present some of the problems early on because early on when i mean i'm talking like 2010 2012 we made the switch over to uh, a mac maybe 13 and um but you had to you had to download software all the time with actual software like off of a disk and things like that uh, uh, like a CD CD ROM right. and that what they are but um, <laughs> now now we're you know we're talking off air but you know go buy a laptop or go buy a computer today and there's no section at Best Buy or wherever you buy your computer from that is remember you go shopping for the software you wanted to add to your computer. It's all right. online now, like all of it, hundred percent. Do you even need anything outside of uh, your your bookkeeping software, which is most likely? Well, in my case, it's online. I know you're using a, a localized solution for that software, but yeah, you you'll probably yeah. be forced to make the switch one day anyway. Uh, regarding right. that, you know, to to an online. But do you even need anything outside of like the whole Google suite of? products or i guess you could go microsoft if that's your thing but the google stuff's all free right yeah i mean i I think they're well there's and there's something i need to look into is the uh i think they call it the g suite or whatever it's the kind of the pro version or the business platform of, uh, of google drive and whatnot but well, we use that for Mechanical Hub, and you know what you get with that is like you can host your own emails and stuff on their servers, and so you know, so you're going to sure. pay per user kind of thing. And there are other things on there, but like I don't know if that. I mean, maybe you got you. You're probably you're a lot smarter with this stuff than I am. But like honestly, it's all that collaboration stuff. Like you got 300 people in your corporation, you need to send stuff and share and collaborate. Like that's what to me that's what that whole G Suite thing is, but. I could be wrong. There's probably stuff in there that I have no idea even exists and would probably make my life a hundred times easier. You know, of course, I just <laughs> refuse to figure that out. Yeah. Well, some things are hard. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll figure out how to make my job on the job site easier. You know, I'll go through the pains of learning new methods and tools and, you know, go out and invest in my time and money in that. But I'd be like sitting in front of my computer and I'm like, Mm, me dumb you know <laughs> like this right. is how i do it you know <laughs> like oh god yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah the the ins and outs yeah yep it's uh that's pretty pretty wild stuff um it, it, it is interesting though to see how much of that stuff uh you know 10 years ago or whatever would not have applied to construction trades you know like right. you say if you were in a big corporation or big, you know like a corporate type setting um you know, there were obviously guys in, well, and I don't know, maybe it, it, it's probably been more than 10 years ago. Um, but that where, you know, it was, you were the office guy, if you were worried about, you know, Google Docs or, well, Google Docs didn't really even exist 10 years ago. Right. Um, it was probably there, but it wasn't very widely used. And, uh, you know, but you didn't, you know, you were getting a, a document from the, from the office probably would have been the the extent of that. Oh, well, I, you know, last time I worked for a contractor, everything was on paper. Everything was on paper. Uh, if you were an employee working out of a truck and you were given any direction, it came 
to you in the most analog way possible. You know, that was sent, you know, your work order was sent to you in your materials package from some low level shop employee that just picked up and moved material around constantly. And any interpretation was left to making phone calls and getting things clarified because it was on paper. When I started my business, that was like one of my goals. And it wasn't like, I need to save the environment type goal. It was like, how do I make this easier? Because I don't want to buy paper and I don't want to buy printer ink because it's expensive. And it has no no usable purpose. Well, it's not waterproof. Right. Okay. I can't use it every, you know, like I can't instantly access this catalog of information. It just doesn't, it just doesn't, you know, it's, it's like, however cumbersome it is to use a, a digital blueprint when you're on a job site. Right. That's how much of a pain in the ass it is to look up information in like a, a printed spec book. Like I can't even yeah. imagine today doing that. Right. And that's what we used to do. <laughs> yep. Like, Oh my gosh, what are yep. the, what's a rough end dimension on this, uh, on this tub or this urinal or whatever. And you're like, well, go, go look at the spec book and, you know, page through it. And like, if it wasn't there, you know, then what'd you do? And then you're trying to get on the phone calls and blah, blah, blah. I know that our resources were limited at the time, but there are companies that still do work this way today. And, but looking back and comparing it to what we have available, it's just crazy how much things have changed. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, yeah. Just, just, you know, pretty, pretty wild to see that transition. You know, we just had a, one of our, instructors at the union hall went back to Ann Arbor here, I think in the last six months, I would say, or eight months, 10, maybe a year and got trained on Revit. Okay. And so he's now our Revit and CAD trainer at the, at the union hall. So that's one of the apprenticeship classes now is how do you design and draw in Revit and how do you read Revit? So that when you get out on these jobs, because it's more and more and more, not the work that you and I do, but the commercial side of it, the industrial side of it, it's all done on, you know, on a Revit types platform where, you know, everybody's stuff is assigned. Uh, This is your, this is your space. And when you do as-built, the as-built have to be done in Revit. So that's where they're, we're looking to have UA members that are trained to do that so that on the job, they're out there, you know, someone is making the red line drawings or the, you know, the, the as built as the stuff is being built. And it really makes a lot of sense, uh, for the, especially for the owner, you know, you think about how, how effective that is down the road to have somebody come back and hand you a CAD drawing of this is what you got. Right. Before we put all the sheetrock on the walls. Yeah. Yeah. Before the cladding is on the outside of the building or before those chases are covered up or whatever it is, that's pretty amazing stuff. Like if you, if you start, and so I think it is, it's fascinating to me because I'm not at all up to speed on any of that. And the reason why is I don't, I absolutely do not need to be, I have no use for it in what I do with, you know, residential service and replacement kind of stuff, very little construction whatsoever. And so, you know, my time is better spent on other endeavors than learning that I'd rather learn a new language than learning Revit, but it's fascinating to me that the whole, what you just said about we're training apprentices and it, it totally makes sense. I'm not, this isn't a revelation here. It's just, if you stop and think about it, um, you know, this is, now part of the job i mean you get people that complain about advancements or call it what you want it changes in materials that are available for like a piping system or you know you when you used to anchor and you know secure a wall to a concrete floor as a carpenter now you just like spray some foam down and like slap a board on it and the stuff will never move in a million years that kind of thing you know it's like structural (laughs) structural foam and you know okay so everybody complains about like these advancements and stuff like shit that's nothing we're training people (laughs) to be like computer 
you know, we're training these guys on software just to do their job. You're like, when would you have thought 20 years ago, would you have thought, or even 10 years ago that in order to be a plumber or in order to be a, a, you know, a carpenter on these big jobs, these car, you know, these commercial jobs that you'd also have to be like really, really adept and, and totally like an, almost an expert on running and using these softwares. That's crazy. I am trying to think of who it was. One, one of my journeymen as a, as a young apprentice, I remember pulling me aside at some point and saying, Hey, listen, here's the deal. And and you, we, we've had this similar conversation and he's like, don't ever feel like a new technology that you're seeing on a product is above you. As soon as you let it be above you, it is, and you will, you're, you're done. Right. And he right. goes, I saw it at, you know, firsthand when electronic ignition controls came out and I was like, okay. And, and, you know, he's talking about something, you know, that happened in the, honestly, probably late sixties, early seventies, mm-hmm. you know? And, and he says, I saw when we went from solid state ignition, you know, everything was standing pilot and a 24 volt gas valve. Yeah. And, you know, we had some safeties and whatnot, but as soon as, the electronic ignition controllers came into the market. Most of the older guys were afraid of it, you know, because they just didn't understand it. wasn't It wasn't yeah. that that thing was spooky or scary. Just they just didn't understand how or why it worked. And it was this daunting task to try to understand that. And as they moved forward, you know, it, it turned the clock forward five years. Everything had electronic ignition on it. Well, guess yeah. what? The guy that doesn't understand electronic ignition is doing, he's scrambling to learn what happened in the last five years, or he's finding <laughs> out that he can't work on this stuff anymore. Right. And so and just bitches about it. Like the guy who hates tankless <laughs> water heaters at the wholesale house. You know, <laughs> yeah, I tore right. out two of those last week. It don't work. <laughs> yeah. No, I, you know, spicy lightning. That's what that is. The, the electronics. Yeah. You're dealing <laughs> with like. <laughs> magic what is this box what yeah what you know i can imagine can you imagine though like seriously back then when everything was so and you know we'll use we'll use modern terms to describe the history of it but like everything was so manual so analog like a standing pilot gas valve is something that i see on old equipment i'm most likely to recommend be replaced and I'm not a parts changer like, ah, let's just sell you a new unit. I mean, we're talking literally just old technology that is right. still functional, but, you know, in a lot of cases, not as safe as it should be. Or certainly the kind of equipment we're talking about is generally less efficient, that kind of thing. Yep. Well, and and I think for all intents and purposes, the last standing pilot piece of equipment that we have, which absolutely blows my mind is that we have standing pilot gas water heaters still and they go in routinely. So hoping you're going to say water heaters. I just worked on one the other day. Uh, we just installed a couple this week. Not pilots though. No, but, but new water heaters, new gas water heaters that have standing pilot. And you're like, you installed a, how do you install Where did you get a standing pilot water heater? You mean just, electron? It has an ignition on it, right? No, no, no. Like your regular oh, 40 gallon right. gas water heater. Yeah, you're right. They just have a piezo igniter. That's all. Like you yeah. can, you don't have to reach in. You can't reach in now to light the right. pilot because they have to be all apart. sealed up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, sorry. <laughs> Brain fart. Yeah. Why does that technology even exist? Like, I mean, it, it it doesn't make sense that we're still doing it this way. That we have equipment that we put in homes routinely and, and across the country routinely that have an energy factor of 0.69. I'm like, what? Exactly. Roughly, tra- loosely, and super loosely translated into seventy percent efficient. Right. Ugh, that's terrible. Yeah, that's a that's a crazy number to think about. It is. It is. Well, I think it's ridiculous. So, like, um, years ago, I was an apprentice. I was we were doing new construction. We did these townhomes on this golf course. These attached townhomes. They'd be like two units big. Big ramblers, that's what we call them in Minnesota, ranch style houses. They're attached sure. at the garage. These things were custom. They were like three, four hundred grand. They're expensive for the time, especially for the time. And just, we would just 
it was like factory work, right? Even though these were custom houses, they were the same for us for the plumbing over and over and over. And as an apprentice, I remember clearly uh, getting the water. They had gas uh, power vent water heaters in them and, uh, you know, standing pilot. And I was lighting the pilot. We used to light them with our torch. Remember reach in there, heat that (laughs) heat. Oh, heat the, um, the thermocouple up there. Thermocouple. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. Hurt. Heat the thermocouple up just red hot with your torch. So you can just pull that thing out. Like just wrecking this thing. Brand new. Never turned on. (laughs) I practically killed the thermocouple. And, uh, I remember one time I had a gas valve that was like, it was letting in gas. It just wasn't, I don't know what happened, but I went to go light the pilot and it poof in the water heater because it had been filling up with gas. And I, I don't know. I probably wasn't paying attention. It's probably that whole factory thing where I'm just like, you know, droning on like a zombie and the thing poof and ignites and flame out the front. I got no eyelashes and no eyebrows and the water heater. <laughs> swear to God. I mean, this is a 50 gallon water heater, so it weighs upwards of 400, 500 pounds filled with water and it lifts off the floor. <laughs> A couple inches even and i'm like oh crap this is insane <laughs> and we still put that same exact water heater in today it's not changed that much at least put it that way it's basically the same they've added like two safety controls and increased the r value of the insulation by like 0.5 you know like ridiculous there's things like that that makes Today's you wonder t- well hold on I was going to say, today's plumbers, apprentices, they're never going to burn off their eyebrows and eyelashes. (laughs) No, no. What? Yeah. How are you Uh, ever going to learn that mistake? (laughs) Yeah. How are you going to learn the hard way like I did? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, But but it's interesting to think about, like, what, you know, what's the lobbying group that goes to, because you know it's got to be a lobbying group. It's got to go to this uh, committee in Washington, D.C., and say, we don't want advancement in gas water tank water heater development. We're going to keep using the same thing, and 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 I it makes me wonder, you know, I mean, like what are what are the factors at play there? And and I you know I'd like to be jaded and say, well, that's just stupid, and it's dumb that we're doing this. But I assume that there are, there is a group of in there somewhere that is resistant to that changing from point seven to point seven five. I I think I know exactly what it is. I think it's the manufacturers um, had been the manufacturers for a long time because manufacturing, having uh, the fortune of touring, I mean, even a water heater manufacturing plant, uh, believe it or not, manufacturing is so expensive and it takes up so much space and it's just this amazing, amazing feat of engineering to to start with the raw material at the beginning and end with a saleable product at the end that's functional works meets all these government mandates these kinds of things and it takes years to achieve that successfully and efficiently and then you know you're just starting to make money and then the government comes along and says well you know the building industry needs updated sure. you got to change this and now all of a sudden and if you're the manufacturer of that water heater you're you've been lobbying to keep that standing pilot gas valve system this whole time because changing it would mean you got to build a new factory right and so literally yeah. these manufacturers regarding water heaters i don't we didn't intend to talk about water heaters on this on this episode but we're here now <laughs> uh, but regarding water heaters and that that um new standard that came out like, I think it was like 2014, 2016, something like that, where the energy code just completely changed on these things. Yep. It forced uh, companies like Bradford White, Ream, A.O. Smith, their major manufacturing manufacturers of the water heaters. It forced them to build factories like across the street while the other one was still running and get that new factory up online and then, so when that day came where like you can't sell these things anymore, you can't make them anymore. What's in stock needs to be sold, and that's it. Then they started the new factory up. That's right. who was lobbying to keep this technology around yeah. for as long as because it just costs too much to change. And you yeah. know, these are I get it. I mean, it sounds crazy. 
but that's the way it is. Yeah. It, it just, it's, it's always one of those things that you just, it just, you don't think about why something is until you've looked at the bigger picture. And, right. and that totally makes sense. Uh, that that's, that's one of the, the major factors in that. Um, it just surprises me that every, I mean, everything else was forced to these dramatic measures to go away from that 70% mark. Right. And right. It, it surprises me that the water heater, which is like you say, I mean, I don't know what, the, it, I'd be, I'd be curious to see what the percentage is uh, between gas and electric water heaters across the country. I think electric is it, a lot higher than you think. It, it could be. Yeah. We're, we're, I would say we're 50, 50 here. I don't know what it is tech, you know, for sure in Minnesota, but my, I think that there's more gas here than there is electric, but that's probably just, I don't know. I don't know why I think that that's based off my experience, obviously, but like, I don't have anything, anything to actually back that up. Right. How about the energy costs? Like, did you see in the news this last week because of this whole um, polar vortex happening down in Texas, how th- did you know that there's such thing as variable rate uh, utilities? <laughs> no, did you, so we've you, been, you I, learned about this though, I, for the I first did. time, like I did, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, we've we've been a what we we have a what's called the Public Service Commission uh, that regulates all utilities, uh, yeah, natural gas, electric, yeah, maybe even water. Water might be in part of that. And it's all done through the legislature, right? Yeah, through a state legislature has to basically. Yep. I think you have to lobby towards the PSC to to get a rate increase. Um, you have yep. to prove yep. why it's it's there, which is great in my opinion. Um, you know, well, you know, it just makes sense that there's somebody there saying no, you can't jack it up like gasoline. The propane right. is not regulated that way here. Um, it's a commodity no, that's and- a refined product though. That's just like that is like gasoline. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I read one of those articles this weekend and I was like, what? That, that's <laughs> even a thing. Yeah. Like these people are getting like, you know, gas or electric bills for like $10,000 or something for their house. Right. Yeah, like, because I, they insane. had it. <laughs> well, that's insane to me. Like, ah, well yeah. to anybody that just doesn't seem right. And so I started looking into it and I'm like, this is so Ultimately, you know what it comes down to is these people were sold a bill of goods, right? So the utility company says, well, you know, why don't you put a gas heater in or a gas water heater in and we'll just, <clears throat> we'll just, uh, we'll, we'll keep your rates low by just, just pay like this market price and everything's good. You know, you're never going to have to pay that much because, you know, it doesn't get cold here and here's what the averages are. And so people are like, oh. That seems about right. You know, people like the idea or the prospect of saving a dollar whenever, like just for right. no reason. Like they're like, oh, I'm getting it. They they perceive it to be a good deal because that utility company says, well, yeah, but this month your bill's going to be 37 cents lower than it was last month. The people are like, hell yeah, <laughs> we're going out to dinner. You know, like yeah. it's ridiculous <laughs> how people think about this kind of thing. And so they sign up for it. And I'm not trying to, I'm not saying these people are stupid at all. That's not what I'm saying. It's stupid that the program exists because now it's come to rear its ugly head. It gets cold yeah. and everything shuts down and it, it was devastating. I, you know, we talked about it last episode, but like, I get it. It's, it's a big deal. Texas was not prepared for what happened. And now everything's warm. Everything's on the melt. Everything's getting fixed and they're getting bills for like $10,000 to heat their house for like the week that it was cold. Is insane. Yeah. Yeah. That, it, it, it just baffled me. I was, I saw that headline, you know, man, you know, Texas man receives $19,000 utility bill. And I'm like, that it had to have been a billing error. Right. That's and that's what, what I'm thinking. And, I, and I'm, and I'm reading this story going, okay, this is one of those stories where you read like a paragraph and then you have to click next and you read yeah. a paragraph and you have to click next and it get, you know, and you're like, no, no, this can't be. And I'm reading it. And I'm like, I said, this, saw the same thing: variable rate utilities. And I was just like, holy cow, that's crazy. And I could see how, um, you know, it's basically the Columbia House of utility companies. You know, for all <laughs> intents and purposes, look at all yeah. these shiny things. Oh, you know, and yeah. and then you know, lure you into the well. By the way, here's your subscription services up. You know, your grace periods up, and here's your hundred dollar bill. 
you know, for the CDs that you uh, don't listen to. <laughs> yeah. So like we have a similar situation as you do here in Minnesota, where our utilities are regulated at, you know, through the, you know, through bills in the legislature, that kind of thing. Um, however, that really works. I'm not going to get into it because I don't even understand it fully, but uh, commissions and things like that. I do know this. So rates are set for, for a definitive amount of time. So I think our electric rates are three years in a row, something like that before they can increase them. Sounds right. Uh, natural gas, maybe annually. I don't know exactly, but regardless, we have low costs here and they're talking now about increases based off of this, you know, demand nationally and this cold weather. And it was cold here too, but you know, I don't know if I always look at it a little skeptically, you know, with a little skepticism thinking like, oh, so it was cold. You know, it's that whole refinery was shut down. So no gas is expensive in the Gulf or something like I don't even understand yeah. that in Minnesota. It doesn't even make sense. Like we're so detached and so, you know, I don't know, selfish in a way because we're not understanding the whole economy is, you know, on a global scale. But same time, I'm like, it. It was cold here in Minnesota. Big flipping deal. Like it wasn't even any like yeah. it was colder last winter, you know, like than it was this. But our rates, they weren't talking about our rates going up and stuff like that like they are today. It's like, ah, these companies. Yeah. Give me a break. So, Special it, session to talk about gas prices. Not gasoline, but natural gas. Blow me. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the headlines I saw this morning uh, when I was looking was uh, – what the heck? How was it worded there? Anyway, it was, um, you know, disaster, uh, weather disaster in Texas forces officials to review building methods. And I was like, huh, yeah. really? You know, I mean, that, <laughs> and I'm, I don't think, I mean, I, I know that this is, you know, like this whole thing that just happened here in the last couple of weeks has been, I, I think it's unprecedented. I mean, for it, it hasn't happened before. To this extent, I think to it gets extent, cold yeah. there probably almost annually or every couple of years they get a freeze. You know, is it a freeze or, or below freezing for a week? No, probably not. We, we flew into Dallas here, I don't know, a week ago. And when we flew in, I was like, holy crap, the little ponds in the river is frozen. It, it just absolutely blew my mind that that was, that was what the weather looked like. And it, it, it was, it was kind of comical because I didn't think that we had actually landed there. And it, it was just weird to see that uh, Dallas landscape covered in snow and their ponds and whatnot frozen. Cause I'm thinking, you know, everything I saw in the news, well, it's 30 degrees in Dallas. Oh, oh funny. Oh, that sucks. You know? And then all of a sudden you start seeing these social media pictures of, you know, Restaurants flooding and parking garages flooded and yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and then it, it, it opens my eyes and I'm like, it's the same concept. I, I see every time I see somebody installing a water conditioning unit on the outside of the house. And I'm like, yeah. no, yeah, you can't do that. You know, but you can. And I, I think they do it in a lot of places. Uh, yeah, you don't do exactly. it here. <laughs> no, no, that would, that would not end well. I remember the very first time seeing with my own eyes plumbing, like real plumbing, water heaters, softener, that kind of thing. On the outside of a house was when Heather and I in uh, what year? 2004 flew to Hawaii. Okay. Like, honest to God, I just said, I mean, I had been places, but I don't think I'd ever been anywhere that or at least didn't notice that had plumbing on the outside of a house blew my mind. I mean, I understood why and, and, you know, but it was like, wow, that's crazy. See it with your own eyes. This was the first time, time, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Because everything is so different here. Like so different. We are not allowed to put water lines in the ground above seven feet, six feet. And nobody does it above eight feet. We do eight feet. That's what everybody does. But the frost line is six, so they can or something like that, so they can go to they can go up to six. Yeah, but there's not a plumber or contractor out there that in Minnesota that'll put a water line at six feet. Trust me, no. and outside the building, and then yeah. like 
water heaters and boilers and furnaces and things like that in attics. Not very common here. I mean, you, well, no. certainly not water. Uh, you might see a furnace and air conditioner in an attic. That would have been like a yeah. retrofit situation. Um, yeah. Because you can do that under certain conditions, but it's not at all the norm yet. I know it is yeah. in other climates, you know, so yeah, I remember is. seeing that for the first time. Yeah. Well, and, and we see it here. Occasionally we get somebody that's like, Oh, well, let's just stuff this, you know, 97% efficient gas furnace up in the attic. That'd be Oof. fine. People do it all the time. We'll insulate the ductwork. It'll be great until it freezes. <laughs> and they're right. like, well, I don't know why it froze. Well, the condensate drain froze and broke. You know, I mean, you if it was an 80 percenter, do it all day long. You know, it's going to work. It's going to be just fine. But, but, you know, I don't know. It yeah. So so it was interesting. And I didn't didn't read the entire extent of the article. Most of it was built, um, was uh, factored around uh, construction practices. And yeah. two the, by six walls or, you know, not putting plumbing outside, that kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, it, it it was a lot of it went to the fact that they're gonna the apparently for contracting in the state of Texas there's no licensing requirements for contracting. Uh, there's okay. licensing requirements for plumbers, electricians, you know the the standard uh, trades, you know licensed trades. And yep. but they're saying for building co- construction, and, and that's probably maybe different. Uh, commercially for residentially, this article yeah. is mostly based on residential, but. Uh, they were talking about one of the things they're seeing right now is the ice and water shield, which we have as, I mean, that's been common practice, um, you know, to do ice and water shield on your roofs and, and anywhere where there's might be water intrusion. And yep. what they're seeing here is, Hey, the ground froze. We flooded everything. We filled everything up with water and melting snow. Now what do you do with it? Yeah. And well, so that, yeah. Cause it went in people's houses. Yeah. Where it shouldn't have gone. <laughs> right. So it's just kind of kind of comical that that that's the the heading. Uh, yeah, crazy to think. Yeah, it seems obvious to you and I that hey, that's that was a bad idea to put the water heater in the attic. But you know, okay, maybe it's not. But you, you sh- there there needs to be a plan B because what what happens the next time we lose power for a week? Right. No, that's a good point. You know, I mean, like you said, it's obvious to you and I, but. It is. I mean, it's what's obvious to you and I might be sound crazy to other people, though, too. You know, like, you know, you get the comments you people see people from other climates, other areas of the world will see your your something you've shared on social media and just say things like, oh, I can't believe you live there. You guys are crazy. That kind of thing. Jokingly, but eating somewhat serious because their perspective is so different. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. I don't know, man. So. It's been a it's been a wild ride this winter so far because we went for so long here in the northern climates with just kind of mild weather and mild even being extreme for some people around the country but nothing really got that crazy until the last few weeks and then it was short lived I think we're looking at uh and I'm not going to turn this into a weather conversation <laughs> What's the weather uh, Eric? I think, Yeah I know I know here I go we're looking at just kind of I think we're on a way out of it here a little bit I mean it's going to remain chilly and snow on the ground that kind of thing in Minnesota for a while but yeah. you know it produces work which brings me to my next question for you is uh, usually this time of year, I'm still working on getting people back up and running. You know, you get the call and, Hey, I got no heat, that kind of thing. So you go and you, you put them into that famous Bob Dudley. I think he's the first one that coined the phrase and should be credited for it. The contractor, no callback mode, you know, you get them back up and running, uh, get their heating system going. And then you give them the news like hook, you know, come this spring, as soon as this melts, that kind of thing, we're going to replace this. And I think we're kind of getting into that a little bit earlier this year here in Minnesota. We're still a little bit into the, still a little bit in the mode of getting people back up and running. But like I said, it's not been that crazy. A lot of stuff wasn't breaking until the last couple of weeks, but what do you guys do? How do you handle it, Andy? Where will you, what, what's your preference? If somebody calls you no heat and they need a new boiler uh, or they need a new furnace and, but you can get it back up and running, let's say that day. Uh, do you 
try to get them up and running so you don't have to change their system out when it's as cold as it is or you know wait till spring or that kind of thing yeah we we definitely do uh i one of the things that drives me drives me nuts and i guess i don't know why this is but i i always have a really hard time walking into somebody's house and even if like let's say my guy goes in and finds hey you know you've got your whatever 30 year old boiler it needs a it needs a new pump or it yeah. needs a new gas valve you know right it's it's really in tough shape it needs to be serviced really bad you know whatever yeah, yeah. Uh, we should we should replace this and the customers on deck with replacing it i generally we don't have in our schedule the flexibility to say okay i'm going to put take two guys off of what they're doing and put them on this install and you know, so we definitely on that in that aspect are more along the line of saying, okay, here's what we're going to do: we're going to we're going to sell you this gas valve. We're going to we're going to put it in your boiler because you need heat today, and I'm going to get you a price, and you're going to make an educated decision on this piece of equipment. I'm not I'm not going to be the one that's it. responsible for pushing you into a corner and saying you have to do this today. Sign here, and and I know that. I probably lose sales to some degree on that because it does open the opportunity for them to say, you know, maybe next year or yep. I'm going to get three, yep. I'm going to get three quotes and I'm okay with that. Um, right. I find that in most cases, those customers call me at the end of the week and go, we can't tell you how happy we are that you got us heat. Uh, family was comfortable. The house didn't freeze. Uh, we would like to move forward with your proposal, whatever. And when when can we start? And that's that's the general direction that those conversations go. One of the things that I like to say I want is I don't want the customer to ever feel like I made the decision for them to you know to force them to spend ten thousand dollars. And so we yeah. want to. I, I always try to make it. Hey, how how do we educate you to make the right decision? Here's the here's the couple of options we're going to present. Here's the reasons why I think you should go to this option. Um, we can put whatever, you know, above and beyond this, but this is what I feel is the best bang for your buck, for your home, for your budget, for whatever. And so that's generally the the direction we handle it. That's yeah. Okay. So that is I I think I went I was I set that up a little bit different. In a, from a different perspective, I guess I was in my head thinking more of the, it needs to be replaced. Um, right. So in that aspect, I would imagine you're more, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but correct me if I'm wrong. If it needs to be replaced, are you trying to get it up and running just so you don't have to do the extreme replacement install kind of, you know, that's no. what I meant by, you know, like, Yes, you're right. I I too try to get people back up and running, educate them, let them make the decision, that kind of thing. I totally I'm with you there. I probably learned all that from you. But I mean like when that thing does like that furnace, that boiler, it's shot. Like it's, it's dead. Yeah, it's it's leaking, <laughs> whatever. Yep. Yeah. He's like, okay, we can get it going because I'm not gonna leave you without heat. But in the event where they need to be replaced, are you trying to buy them a little bit of time or so, you know, I guess I'm asking because I hate when I know it's going to be zero all day long and negative temperatures overnight. And I have to replace a boiler like that is tough. That's a tough situation to find everybody in, you know? Yeah. No. Okay. So on, on that context, yes, it's, it's one of those, okay, how do we, how do we call Mrs. Smith who were scheduled to replace three toilets this afternoon for, call, you know, call Mrs. Smith. Hey, we're not coming today. We'll, we'll see yeah. you in a week. Right. You know, I'm really sorry. We'll, we'll see, you know, figure out some way of helping make it up to you. Um, and we shuffle, shuffle a, a couple of guys around and make sure we got equipment and it gets done. Uh, right. And that, that, that is one of the, it, it, awesome benefits of having a couple of employees. And as you know, that's, that's ultimately difficult when, when you're presented in that uh, space as a, as a one man shop, uh, that 
you might have four no heat calls and the first one you got to at 8 a.m. was a boiler replacement. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. because the thing's split in half and it's, you right. aren't fixing that. And now right. what do you, what do you do? Do you call the other four no heats and say, Hey, I'm not coming. No, you don't get to. No, exactly. I mean, you look at different things like, is that situ- you know, you qualify things like, well, if the CO is so high, we can't even leave this thing run, that kind of thing. Safety is an aspect always, but absolutely, temperature is a safety issue too. I mean, turning people's heat off is a safety no. issue here in Minnesota, in the north. Um, it, when it's, you know, zero degrees outside, I mean, we're talking literally, we're going to turn your heat off and it ain't. You know, until I'm done, you're you're hosed, you know, so space heaters, that yeah. kind of thing. And sounds scary because it is. I mean, it is. I mean, not scary, like, you know, clown wielding a knife scary, but you know, <laughs> it's a little daunting, put it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. So moving on, like now we're, you know, I'm I guess my point behind that is, is and I'm glad you you decided to talk about, you know, like giving them the giving them the option, that kind of thing. Uh, I got a bunch of calls over the last couple of weeks when it was really cold. Uh, you know, I'm fielding those calls of uh, people don't have heat. Uh, we got to get this back up and running emergency kind of stuff. And then people call and they say, Oh, I'd like to have you come out and look, you know, we're, we're thinking about doing this or that in my, <laughs> You get to handle that probably a little bit differently, but I bet you there's some similarities here. So for me, yeah. the one man show, I'm like, I don't, I can't, I, uh, you know, you have to think about how it. to, yeah, you have to figure <laughs> out how to let these people know that like, look, that's not what I'm doing for the next couple of weeks. And I'm sorry, but you know, I, yeah. I basically am turning away potential work uh, because I don't have the manpower to go take care of that task, go check something out, go look at a possible job to give them a budget to work with or something. Because yeah. I'm literally getting calls into late into the night. You know, I can I could stay up all night and work all night if I wanted. You know what I mean? Right. On these emergencies, and you're <laughs> you're you know, hey, we might finish the basement. It just it's bad timing, basically, right? For yep. me. For yep. me as a contract for the single man shop, it's not the customer's fault. Yeah. It's it's funny how that happens because and, and I assume your reaction to it is the same as mine, is when it's super cold out. I mean, last week, you know, it's whatever five below zero and the wind's blowing and you know, the phone's ringing off the hook that hey, you know, our our furnace isn't working, our this isn't working. You know, oh, God, you know, my hose bib is broken. It's blowing water all over it. You know, and we're, you're, you kind of go into that damage control mode. Like, yeah. How do you, how do you put enough bubble gum on the holes in the boat? You know, and, and, and (laughs) how how we get, you know, and pretty quick you're in this like a triage mentality, you know, and with, with the the four of us, it kind of gets like, it gets chaotic because it's like, you know, one guy goes out and fixes something, you know, and some of these repairs are 10 minutes. Sure. You know, Oh, this, the pilot was, the pilot blew out. Boom. You're in and out. Boom. Okay. Now we got to find something else for him to do. And you get, you're in this scramble mode of like, okay, we canceled everything that we were doing today because all of this emergency came at eight Oh five. Yeah. And so now by 10 AM, everybody's got what we think is a day's worth of emergency work to do and they're all done by noon you know yeah they're yeah. they're all wrapped up and now it's like oh crap now we got to call all these people off that we pushed pushed off and see who we can get back in and it's this like this you know you, you would call it the ebbs and flows of business but it's like you know ring the alarm ah! and then yeah no everything's good <laughs> right yeah no it's good it, it, we're safe <laughs> yep we're safe everything's fine but you you Sky get that you know i get yep yeah, I get that those calls, you know, and, it, and you're right in the heat of it, you know. It's it's eight ten, you know, on phone call number thirty, you know, right. and you get somebody. Yeah, we don't you know, like to uh, talk to somebody about, um, you know, maybe someday <laughs> in the future putting <laughs> yeah, in a yeah. gas line to a generator that we might put in right. the pool house. <laughs> you know, right. Like, right. I have no time for you, Clay. <laughs> People are oh, dying. Yeah. 
people are dying. Oh God, uh, yeah. As if we're as so, if we yeah we're playing God and you're like nah, no soup for you. You know, like no, exactly. I can't help you right now. You know, like oh my God, whatever. No, it's it's a position I find myself in. As a, I know everybody deals with it, but like how yeah. I have to deal with it is like. I can't be in two places at one time. So like that kind of stuff just goes on the back burner. I don't know. Yeah. You know, you have to qualify it, I guess, you know, it, it's bad business. Yeah. I, I understand that, but I don't know. So, yeah. well, man, what, what do you is. think? Back at it yep. for the daily grind. Back at it for the daily grind. Going to wait for the phone to start ringing here pretty quick and we'll hit her again. Yeah. It's uh day two of an install for me and it's a job that's going to take me longer than i anticipated just got a lot of things in the lot of irons in the fire out once and that's just the way it is sometimes you just got to kind of roll with the punches so yep i'm gonna go download uh i'm gonna go find a floppy disk drive for my (laughs) 1992 pc and i'm gonna play some number munchers there you go. My Apple TV. Maybe, maybe a little Oregon Trail. The Oregon Trail. There you go. Yeah. All right, man. The, the original. So you, the, yeah. I always died the, of the, dysentery or my son. Like, I never had enough ammo or I always traded for, like, a a lame cow or oxen or something. Like, I was terrible at that yeah. game. I was a very, yeah. Terrible, That's, terrible, questionable decisions on that game. Yeah. Yeah. It's made you a better person. It's made you who you are today. <laughs> I owe it all to the Oregon Trail. Oregon. Oregon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for listening this long. I know we just chatted and babbled about lots of different things today, but uh, we appreciate your feedback. So if you could, please give us a rating on your podcast app. Uh, that helps us out greatly to be found by other people. And then also we want to hear your feedback. If you've got something to say, a topic idea, uh, maybe you just hate the way I talk about the weather all the time. Let us know by giving us an email at make trades great again at gmail.com. Um, really do appreciate all the great feedback you guys give us. And you can find Andy on Instagram at Mick underscore plum. You can find me. Uh, and all of our Mechanical Hub stuff, just type in Mechanical Hub in whatever social media app you're using. Uh, you'll probably find something we're talking about over on MechanicalHub.com. So thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Hey, plumbing pros. When it's time to choose a water heater to install for your next job, whether it's residential or commercial, go with a product that's built to be the best. Go with a Bradford White water heater. Pros know about the superior quality and reliability you get with Bradford White. Plus, they're engineered for the pro, so they're easier to install and service. How you heat your water matters. Choose Bradford White. Bradford White.